Before we start the episode, I just want to take a quick second to thank our amazing patrons. So in the House of Earth, we have Rachel, Juliet Kurth, Andrew Stocchetti, Ali Silem, Alexander Eagleson, and Akiyaki. In the House of Stone, we have Tinkery, Melissa Russell, Jane Dominguez, Krisha Dolan, Brianna Rains, Aya Kumarquan, Jane Dominguez, and Allison Connors. And I'd also like to say a special welcome to Tabitha King. And in the House of Flame, we have Val Langwa, Spaghetti Sandwich, Pokela, Natalie Curry, Leah Harvell, Katie Grant, J.S., Francie Dillon, Dirty Panda, Cynthia Johnson, Cheryl Eisenhower, Celeste Gantz, Amber Costley, Jade Smith, Haley Blackwell, and Birdie Tam. You guys are awesome. Honestly, some of y'all have been on this Patreon, on my Patreon, since I started almost, what, like three years ago now. You guys are amazing. And for those of you who just recently joined, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. All right, on to the episode. Oh my gosh, she's connecting to audio. Oh my gosh, hello. Oh my God, Hi. call down, Lindsay. Hi. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, I got Jesus super excited. Christ. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We are your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. So this week on The Mud Peddlers, I am super stoked. We have a very special guest. We have Bertie Tam coming to us from Sweden. Bertie Tam, welcome to The Mud Peddlers. Thanks. Super happy to be here. A little bit nervous as we discussed, but uh, <laughs> it is going to be a good time. <laughs> it is They're okay. both nervous and I don't understand. I don't understand why. Well, because I think we we kind of established in our messages going back and forth. That's like yeah. we're both low key fangirling right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just one of those vibes. So it's but it's a it's it's a good vibe for a podcast, I'd say. So I'm I'm yeah. stoked. I hope that uh, I hope that you dear listeners enjoy uh hearing our conversations i guess just to kind of get started tell us who you are and what kind of art you make yeah uh so my name is birdie and i am an, a ceramic artist in sweden but i'm actually from california so i'm actually grew up in california i grew up near the bay area but i've been living in sweden for about six years now and in terms of art I feel like a baby potter still compared to YouTube, <laughs> um, but I really like making like cute art. So you may have seen some of my like sculptural planters or like incorporating some like wax resist and decals to my mugs to like make like little characters and stuff. I, I've seen those and I, I do like those, especially the the negative ones where it's like you cut out a thing and then it, I, I assume you put wax resist on them and then put them against the cup or you just put the image against the cup, like a sticker type beat, and then you glaze the whole thing. Yeah. And then it comes out and the negative is like an animal usually. Yeah. So I use, um, I get a lot of questions about this actually. I use vinyl uh, to oh. do the, like the decals, but honestly, you can use like any type of sticker. I've tried everything. Oh. It works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as long as it sticks to the clay body and it doesn't let the glaze in, you're good to go. Huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Honestly, your your work has brought me so much joy over the years I don't have any of your ceramic pieces yet but I have like your if you were to look back through like most of my bullet journals 90% of my setups are like your monthly stickers that I get Aww. from your Patreon <laughs> so I'm just like your your art fills my world with joy all the time oh, so. I'm so, so happy I'm glad that people use them because sometimes I'm like 
I wonder if they use them or if they hoard them because I'm the person who hoards stickers. Oh, I just, yeah. I just have them because I yeah. like them. <laughs> I, I feel that I recently, all right. So I know our listeners are not going to be able to see this, but I'm going to show <laughs> you. So my partner got me this journal from Emerald Barkley and I love it, but I don't want to put any stickers on the front because it's really pretty. So I put a few on the back and then I also, Aww. because I was beginning to hoard, be hoarding an absurd number of stickers, I just put a bunch on the inner flaps because yeah, I am also kind of a sticker hoarder, but mostly just because I acquire so many that there's only so much I can use. Yeah. So, anyway. My wife's one of those too. She has, she supports like two or three people on Patreon and she gets monthly stickers. So I finally bought her two or three sticker books because I was tired of stickers just being strewn around the house. <laughs> but she still does not put the stickers in the sticker books that I bought her. They're still strewn around the house. And we still get <laughs> yeah, like I... three more every single month. And I'm like, oh, all right. I'm yeah. the same way. I will admit I'm like not the most organized person. So there there will be stickers randomly in our home too. I feel that. <laughs> I feel that really hard. <laughs> Also, I have to note as well, I love the picture you have in your background of oh, yeah. the D&D dice. Yes. Yeah, A plus. A plus. It's funny because I did not plan that. But when the camera came on, I was like, oh, they're going to appreciate this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So how did you how did you come to your style? Because it's like, at least as long as I've been following you, you seem to have a pretty distinctive, like your your style has changed a little bit, but it's like you've always kind of, you seem to have really embody like your own personal style so it's like did it take you a while to figure out what you wanted to make did you do a lot of experimenting when you first started getting into the arts because you've been working in clay for a couple years now right and or how long have you been working in clay now so comparatively to others I still feel very new so I've been working with clay I think about three years oh, now three years okay Time uh, is <laughs> yeah I mean COVID um, yeah and then it yeah, got really weird everybody down for a bit Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I did listen to the podcast with Amy and I did the opposite of what she did. I left the games industry, but before oh. that <laughs> I was working in games, uh, as an artist. So I do have like a background in art and illustration. So it's a bit hard to say like when my style was developed. Oh, uh, yeah. so I kind of just carried that with me, I think into my ceramic work, or at least tried to, once I started kind of figuring things out. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually something I've been really curious about, like what it's been like to translate your previous medium into this like new medium and like with with a style that you know that you like. So what have been some of the biggest like challenges and biggest like victories of like, yes, that Uh, as you've begun working with Clay these last few years? So it's interesting because so when I first moved to Sweden, uh, it was a very lonely time. So I got, I, I started getting into crafting a lot, which is when I started making like physical things up until that point, it was just mainly like illustration or painting. Um, so everything was like flat or digital. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting into like polymer clay and making like very, very small things. Uh, so that's like how I first started sculpting, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. Besides like the one animation course I took in school where we had to do like sculpting with actual clay. Oh, yeah. But since then, I haven't done any. But it kind of got to the point where I realized that polymer clay is very limiting because, of course, it's very small, but it's also not food safe. And I I really wanted to make, like, big things. Like, I wanted to make, like, planters and, like, dishware and things they could actually use that were kind of functional. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so then I took, like, a class and I was like, oh, this is, like, this is, like, the thing. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And that's kind of where it started. 
I don't know if that answered your question, but at least that's yeah, how I yeah. started getting into clay. Where was it difficult? Because I, I kind of remember following, because again, like that's part of the fun thing too, is like, I remember <laughs> when you like first kind of started getting into clay, or I think I started oh, wow, following really? you like maybe just after you started getting into clay, you were like just okay. starting to post about it a little bit. And then it was so cool seeing you move from like a classroom sort of setting to then you had, because you have like your own like whole studio set up now, right? Now I do, but it was originally like classes and then I became a part of a collective mm -hmm. uh, in our city. And mm -hmm. then last year I moved into a studio. That was a, oh that was a big step up. I think I saw that post. You walked into like this big white room and I was like, oh yeah, f yeah. <laughs> Dude, it, was, it was scary because like I had just quit my job because I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. I just quit mm -hmm. my job. And I had just been casually looking for like studio space, but hadn't planned to do it for another year. Okay. Um, and then like this opportunity came up and I'm like, I'm never going to find a better space than this. So I moved in there a year earlier than I thought I would. Oh man. <laughs> it was, it was... Is it like a rent space or is it like, like how does it work out for being there for you as far as like financially? Oh, it's a rented space, but I think I got a pretty good deal for like a basement I'm like in a basement um I mean this is this is the way this is the way yeah I got <laughs> a basement go yeah. went for like the cheapest thing uh and the biggest thing I could get which honestly worked out and I just got really lucky honestly like it wasn't even listed I think I had just been bothering the same people for a while yeah. about uh -huh. like hey do you have anything and finally they were like well we do have this thing and when I first went there, oh man, it was like covered in spiders. There was like a huge <laughs> crack in the ground. There was no oh floor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like it was bare bones, nothing. Crack. Yeah. Oh my um, god. So that was definitely an experience of trying to figure out how to make a studio when I honestly didn't know anything. I was I was such a noob. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the hell out of the fact that you did that, though, because it's like like I would say again, and listeners probably have heard me say this before, but like I think my perpetual thing that I struggle with is my sense of inadequacy and sense of like, oh, I have this thing that I want to do. But it's like all the like walking in and seeing a space that had a crack in the floor and a bunch of spiders. I would go like, I have no idea how to do this. I'm going to walk away from this opportunity. Like uh -huh. I'm like 99% <laughs> sure that's what I would have done. But I think it's really awesome that you were like, nah, I'm going to figure this out. Like I'm going to yeah. do this. And I, I just, I think that's awesome. Honestly, like. I feel like to make it, you you kind of have to be a bit delusional. <laughs> like, oh, this is gonna oh, be I fine. like that. I it's like gonna that. be fine. <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. Or a lot of the times, I'm like, I'll just let my future self figure it out, yeah. and then I become my future yeah. self. That's their yeah. problem. That's not. Your yeah, that's problem. their problem. That's and, um, yeah. <laughs> I I love that. I love that so much. That's the yeah. work mentality of like, oh y'all, one of the fridges looks like it's about to break. That sounds like a tomorrow crew thing. Yeah. And I, I got tomorrow off. That's not, that sounds like the a problem. problem, not a me problem. Yeah. The, then the problem is you're like your own business, right? Like you are the yeah. now. And then you're like the tomorrow crew too. You're like, ah, oh, damn, past self like yeah. really. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was definitely a thing. Huge shout out to like your Discord though, Dante, because I went My on there for like help. Because I was like, what do I do? How like how do I set up a studio? And people like gave really good tips. Everyone was like, get tons of shelves. You'll need more shelves than you ever need. Like think you <laughs> yeah. need. Get tons of buckets. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. But no, it was they're, really helpful. They're cool. I started it out. I even have like an Ask Dante section where if you have a really complicated pottery question, but it's so strange how many of them have really 
good expertise in fields that I would never even imagine. We have a couple blacksmiths on there. We have like woodworkers on there. They answer questions before I even answer them. So I'll be at work. And by the time someone has asked a question, someone else will have had answered it for me, even if it's directly in my wheelhouse based off of a video that I had already posted. So they're, they're amazing. No, shout out, honestly, shout out to the discord. Yeah, seriously. Um, I should probably, uh, I should probably go back there sooner or later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay. I always list your, your discord. The link to join your discord is always in the show notes of the podcast. So you're you're good. You're good. (laughs) So, okay. So I desperately want to know more about what it is like working in Sweden and like you had mentioned right before we hopped on about like listening to the previous episode that we did of the mud peddlers of talking about the like work hustle culture what is what is it like being an artist like Like, over there like do you have hustle culture over there oh it is so different so I just recently caught up on the mud peddlers I didn't realize how many episodes I had missed so I like basically (laughs) binged uh, this week oh. and like between the pottery myths one and then the financials one I was like oh man it is it is a different game in the U.S. now oh, or man. I guess not yeah. even now just it's just a different game it's just so when I first moved here I moved here for work actually so I went from working in a company in New York to working in a company in Stockholm I'm like I hope it don't make anyone mad but when I first moved here when I first moved here I remember thinking like oh man Swedish people are so lazy and like <laughs> but because like they would come in at work like on time right but uh-huh. then they would leave like like if it was like an eight to five day eight to six day they would mm-hmm. leave straight at six and they were gone like yeah. you could reach in my email they just left on time if they oh. went on holiday they just shut off all their emails like bye I was like oh man like we, we still have work to do like and like I remember it was really hard when I first worked here because like the the way that they treat work is just so different than the way that I treated work. And I know that this wasn't just me. It was many other American expats or uh, British expats or just people who came from cultures where working was like the thing. Yeah. Uh, it was really hard to integrate into Swedish culture because they just didn't work look at work the same. And okay. now living here for so long, I realized that they were indeed not lazy. They just had it figured out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. Like they they had the work life balance figured out. Like like they worked to live. They didn't live to work. And yeah. Like it's different. Like the hustle culture in the U.S. is is maddening. And I still have that a bit in me. Like mm-hmm. being American and Asian. Like mm-hmm. there is like oh the money is like the important thing. And uh, so my partner is, is Swedish and it's interesting because he's the kind of person who will give things out for free. He'll like make tools and then just like give them out for free. And I'm like, I'm like, you could, you could like monetize that, you know, you could make yeah. some money on that. And he's like, no, he's like, I don't want to monetize my hobbies. And he just, oh. and he just, he just wants to like do things for fun and like money is not even on his mind. And I remember oh like, God. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> That's like. I literally, that's so hard to imagine because like to be able to not have to take advantage of all of the money-making opportunities that are Mm -hmm. in your life, there has to be a baseline level, or at least this is my assumption, kind of how I think about it for my own life is like, there would have to be a baseline level of financial security that is really hard to imagine having, maybe just in the US, I don't know, but like, again, like- You're right, right. yeah. 
because like I don't know I'm perpetually afraid of like a being one health crisis away from being like homeless or poor and being poor is practically a death sentence in this country yes and like or living long enough but then not having the finances to be taken care of in my old age so I'm like in a filthy underfunded elderly care facility I'm just this is where my anxiety brain goes like this is just like so it's like are there those same kinds of like insecurities because part of me wonders like when I hear about Scandinavian culture and Scandinavian like approaches to the social safety net part of me wonders like is that just a uh, you know yeah there's gold paving the streets you know is it one of those things or it's like how how is that tangible like how do you feel like as you've integrated into Swedish culture, it, like how how does how have you observed that? Yeah, that's yeah. that's my question too. Because I wonder <laughs> if I wonder if the system in place in Sweden is is better than America in that it allows for the mindset that your husband has, or if like they just don't have is, is it that they culturally are set apart from hustle culture, or is it that the system takes care of them enough to where they don't have to worry about money as much? Whereas for us, we're like we have to or else we die. <laughs> <laughs> It feels really weird to be like the one who's like talking about Sweden, especially as like an American. Um, but I will try to do my best to represent my fellow Swedes. Um, <laughs> but I do think that people here are just more relaxed, honestly. I think the social mm. safety net really helps. It's things like if you get sick, you know you're not going to go bankrupt. And like oh even just God. even just that alone is like a huge pressure. It's also things like they have a lot of things in place for just like if you get sick and stuff like that like you could take like sick leave and I don't know I just I think that people here are just more at ease because they trust that the government will help them now I say that and I feel like someone's going to come at me because <laughs> <laughs> like of course there are people who are going to hustle that's just how it is there are going yeah, to be people yeah. who do that but I know that at least for me especially when I quit my job like that was one of the things I was really worried about is like am I going to be able to pay the bills or like and honestly like listening to you guys talk about finances and like healthcare and the finance episode like it just reinforces the idea that honestly like I don't know if I could have my business in in the U.S. because I think I would be just constantly stressed out um, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, everything what? is there so expensive we are, we are that for yeah. sure when did you first start thinking about going full-time as an artist and then like, what was it that finally made you go like, okay, this is something that I can do? I used to work for the company named King, who does Candy Crush, very big company. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I worked there for many years. And uh, when I quit that job, I had been thinking like, oh, maybe I will like, maybe I will try doing this full time. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. I quit at a time when I wasn't really happy working there. And I was thinking like, what other possibilities there could be. That's when I first like kind of seriously thinking about it. But it wasn't until like I then went into my next job, whose company name I will not say. They could find it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the company that made me like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Oh. <laughs> and on it was a lot of just like disorganization lots of meetings oh my god the meetings like <laughs> like this could have been an email was like this the thing that was constantly on my mind uh but I think it was because of that company though uh and all the meetings and like all the time I felt like I was wasting working on someone else's stuff that I was like I think I need I think I need to try this and mm. it was more like the 
<laughs> FOMO. It was like fear of missing out, honestly, oh. of, of what I could be doing. Like, and honestly, one of the one of the really big things is I was listening to a book by uh, Guy Raz, uh, and oh. he does like how I built this that that podcast. He has a book, and there was a part in his book that he was just talking about like how entre- entrepreneurs start. And there was like a quote that just kind of stuck with me, which was like, the risk wasn't leaving, but the risk was staying. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh man, I'm like, I'm like, that's, oh, that, that like hit home. Uh, mm. So I, I didn't quit my job like right away. I went like, I think you did the same thing, Lindsay. Like mm. I went part-time and then I, I quit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how it went. Oh. How long, how long were you doing part-time before, before you made the final leave? I think about six months or so. Um, And my manager knew. uh, So, and he was supportive for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's really nice. Uh, Which made it a lot easier. But I think that it was really just, I felt like I I just wanted to give it a try. I just wanted to give it a go. Yeah. And I was very scared because I was like, man, I make a lot of money at this company. It is real cushy. (laughs) Not doing very much work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Oh, God. I miss that sometimes, yeah. but I don't know if I could go back. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, oh, yeah, a trade-off where you're like, this is making enough money. And I'm I'm relatively comfortable on a survival level. But I do hate this place. <laughs> Honestly, if I could do what you do, Dante, like, and have like a, a job that I liked while also doing pottery on the side, that would have been the best of both worlds. Mm, like, yeah. I know some people are like, oh, I just want to quit my job and do pottery and... It sounds really romantic, but there's a lot of work that goes into running a yeah. business. And yeah. it is work, not good romantic. Yeah, if I you work for someone, man, you get a lot of you got a lot. Yeah, <laughs> safety. Yeah. Well, this, the thing that I've always been taught is like, don't go to your next job until you have a next job. You know, like, so if I were to ever quit the job that I have now, I would have to have not only a better paying, but a more comfortable environment and a, a like a more a more secure place in a company in order for me to be there. And this place is like a mom and pop shop that got too big where I work at. So <laughs> I've been pretty comfortable there. And I'm like a one of the heavy players. Like I order the food and I order the bread and I make sure everything's accounted for and I organize the fridge. Like if I left, they would have, it would be a difficult time for at least a month. Yeah. They have oh, wow. me, or it would make the workload go heavier on someone else's terms. So you're right. I do work at a fairly uh, comfortable place for me, even though it is a large workload. The rest of it, is just me being a workaholic. Uh, <laughs> is just part of the American late stage capitalism wholesale culture that I have in my bloodline. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that you would be a, a workaholic if you didn't live in the U.S.? Yeah. No, definitely. I, I'm sure this is like my mom always goes. It's just trauma because she's like unlearning this in her life. Mm. But she's like, yeah, I passed it down to you because there wasn't a single moment where like, if you were watching TV, I was cleaning two jobs and cleaning the house because she was a single mother. So, like, by the time I got to my teenage years, I'm like, that's how a household is run. You must work yourself to the bone and clean the house. <laughs> the world is on your shoulders and everyone else's shoulders are weak. <laughs> oh, God. They can't carry the world like you can. So even, even now, like, I wake up at a certain time and I clean the house and then I do the pottery thing, even on my days off. And then on Wednesday, I tell my wife, all right, what are we doing for the house? Are we going to clean an area? Are we going to hang up shelves? Uh, like yesterday we vacuumed, like we did a, a thing while the baby was at my mom's house for Halloween. I sat here and I threw while kids took candy from my Aww. bowl. I was like, this is production time. I'm not just going to sit here. 
<laughs> Wait, you so were like, throwing <laughs> while they were like, hey, trick or treat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. The six mugs in front of me are, are here right now. And that took me like 30 minutes. And then I was like, all right, uh, I'm done throwing. Let's go back in the house. Like this is wasted time. I, I have that in my blood for sure. Oh and I don't, I don't know if it's compounded by the American, but like if I lived in Japan or Sweden or somewhere where that's like a tiny bit more relaxed with the hustle culture, then I would probably still be this way, but just to not like a, a such a large degree, but I would most, mm-hmm. I'd be 75% of this still. Oh man. My house would be more clean for sure. <laughs> I don't think I would be. I think right now I feel like my attitude towards hustle culture is kind of in between you birdie and you dante because there was a year oh god this must have been five six years ago now it was a while ago but i i had a season where i was doing so much stuff back to back i was so stressed that i was like i would literally rather not do ceramics as a career than have another season like this yeah and i feel i feel lucky that like my my dad did a fair amount of traveling when he was younger so it's like he he kind of told me you know, about some of those cultural differences between like America and Europe. It's like his whole thing was like, yeah, you, if you, you're in America for a career, but if you want a life, you live in Europe, you know? And I was like, oh damn. So it's like, I feel (laughs) like I've had a bit of a balance, but like, again, the struggle is, is then like, what am I giving up? And in that case for me, it's largely like money, which I talked about on the, on the finances episode where it's like, I feel overall really happy about the work-life balance that I have but the expense with that is then my finances so it's like okay how do I how do I jigsaw this puzzle I think that's part of the reason why almost every YouTube financial video is about how you make passive income is because we're consistently looking for a way to live while not spending our life simultaneously and it's Mm -hmm. it's difficult because really we're working to have the relaxed mentality of of Europe but they're just like (laughs) ahead of the game they're just like we don't we don't go through the first step that causes us stress and heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> like we're good. Actually, speaking speaking of which, that that reminds me of something else I wanted to ask you about, Birdie. We were also talking about social media stuff, but like <laughs> you do I feel like you're really you're so active on social media. Like you do, you have your Instagram, you have like TikTok, if I remember correctly, you have like your yeah. newsletter that you send out. And again, like each one kind of has a little bit of a different flair. So how do you navigate the time management for your social media, like keeping in mind this this greater context of like wanting to keep that work-life balance? Because I, I feel like social media tasks are one of those things that like, at least for, for my life, creeps up. And I don't realize how much time I've spent doing it mm-hmm. until I am not doing it. And I'm like, oh, I have so much more time. Why do I have so much more time? Oh, but then I'm not answering messages and posting. And anyway, so how do you how do you navigate that? I, I listened to the episode and I had so many thoughts. I was like, oh, I wish I, I, oh. Wish I could just talk to them right now. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, look, look at I, this. Great timing. Yes, I um, want to hear all of, all, of your, all of your thoughts about that. So it is definitely a balance, I think. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. So social <laughs> media is definitely a game and it's a game you have to really uh, stay on the ball for, I think, mm. if that's what you want to do. But mm-hmm. I think you mentioned this, like, being good on social media does not mean that you're a successful artist. They are two mm. very, very, very different things. And I think that putting them into like the same level of like success, success especially as an artist, is like, it's just, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> that said, with social media, so I make the majority of my income from selling things 
that are seen on social media. So my main platform mm. is Instagram and maintaining my Instagram. And I had tried to do like TikTok and YouTube and Twitter. And then there's like Blue Sky now and oh my like all the things. And it's a lot. But in terms of balancing, I think you really have to find a good balance. So when I was first starting, I used to post every single day on Instagram. And oh, wow. keep in mind, like, yeah, Instagram back then was a very different ballgame. Oh. It, it is not the same now. And growing my follower count was like the most important thing to me at the time. Now, as I had grown my business and started doing like more ceramics, I got to a point where I realized I was spending so much time on social media advertising my ceramics, but I didn't have any ceramics to sell. So I was like oh. advertising something I didn't have. And I was like, oh, something's got to change because I was spending like so much time on social media and not enough time making that I've kind of switched that mindset this year to spend more time making and less time on social media. So uh, recently I've actually only been posting, I think like once a week. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, which is a huge change for me. But honestly, like when it comes down to like numbers and even with my like follower count, it's still growing a bit, but it did stagnate for a while. I think like too many people attribute success to follower count when honestly that doesn't translate to sales. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's not the same thing. Like, especially like for people who like do like a lot of cons and stuff like that, they're busy being at cons. They don't have time to be on social media. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or, or like, yeah. And as like makers who make handmade things, like, like the problem I was having, if you're not making things to sell, like, (laughs) what are you advertising? So that's definitely been a learning thing this year. Oh man. (laughs) Trying to figure out. I have a very um, large problem with wanting to make stuff more than I want to post stuff. Yeah. And I also have a, a, a compounding problem of things that are impressive to me are not impressive to other people, for oh. sure. So like, if I develop the right glaze with the right flux ratio with the this and the that, I'm <laughs> like, this is the perfect glaze. Until I find a new one, of course. And, but people are like, oh, that's a nice blue. And then they just put it back down. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I spent a lot of time making that glaze. And the other... <laughs> part is that like I'm far more into categorizing my stuff from my own notes and putting them on glazy and putting them in my own personal glaze notes mm-hmm. and keeping glaze combinations and xyz and xyz I don't care if other people see that you know mm-hmm. like but I have to figure out a way to con- contentivize it if that's a word I can use yes <laughs> con- con- contentivize I like that turn it into content essentially yeah it's true so what like- I often do is I end up taking YouTube videos clipping them and then being like I guess that's content and like it, it's it's really hard to balance those those three of like am I making enough am I showing people what I'm making so I can sell it and am I keeping notes so that I can make it again and reproduce said work yeah, yeah that's hard <laughs> no but with like uh, the content thing I had tried to do YouTube for a while I was trying to do like a YouTube video a week which mm-hmm. like people who do that like Dante I think you do that I, I don't it's hard to do it it's a lot of work and like people who do all the things I would consider them more on the content creator side because content creation is like a whole job in itself and I'm only yeah. one person I agree <laughs> I wasn't yeah. sleeping very much oh um, man but like making content and actually the thing that killed me the most was the fact that everything I was making I had the mindset of oh this is content I should film it Oh, the lighting is bad. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow instead. Yeah. And then I yeah. just wouldn't do anything. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. All of oh winter, 
all of winter has no natural sunlight and natural sunlight is the perfect thing to penetrate the, the glaze matrix so you can mm. bounce off of like the inside and like bounce back <laughs> and you can really see into the glaze itself so if you make a glaze that has some type of like multi-dimensional has like the multiple things and facets to it you're like oh i can't see it right now because it's winter oh it's winter like nine months out of the year here so that's just my life oh my god <laughs> yes. i made this, this, this phase separation but you can't see the different phases because the not out. Yeah. <laughs> that separation between like being an artist and like a content creator like i oh also i like your mug that's awesome um, oh this is from joe this is old oh, forge joe thompson oh yeah that's you can awesome. tell because he's got like the pinky holder part right there yeah, that's it's got, yeah. like the fancy the fancy yeah. uh, oh my handle. god that's great i thought i thought it might be i wasn't sure but hell yeah hell yeah shout I'm out slowly to collecting forge. yeah he's great oh, yeah. you should get him on here I we're actually low key want to, but I haven't reached out to him yet because I only we have so many mental spoons. But what's that? We were talking about it like a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah, Joe, I'm gonna laugh you, if he's listening to this. <laughs> Old Forge, can you just like run up on us, please? Like run up my DMs. <laughs> I don't have to have the nervous ticks that come with being like, oh hey, I don't you don't know who I am, but uh, <laughs> my name's Dante, and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah but that the mental space that it takes up to do the content creation like you were saying like oh i should be filming this now or i'll film this tomorrow like yeah it's it takes up a lot of brain space have you noticed a difference either in terms of sales or anything since you've because you said you've been kind of reducing your the amount that you've been posting for the last like year right mm -hmm. have you noticed much of a difference because you've also been doing at least from what i understand you've been doing more like in-person events too right or at least that's kind of what i've seen like the christmas markets since or the holiday markets that you do so i actually have been reducing the number of markets um oh. but the perception is that i do a lot of christmas markets because that's like the one that i do every year oh, now okay yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and that one is actually my biggest event so that's like the christmas market in malma where i live uh -huh. and that one is four weeks long oh four wow. days Four days a week yeah so that's intense yeah so and it's cold because it's outside there like you sell Sorry. everything there i sell a lot of things there but in-person events are like a whole other beast especially yeah. when you're selling like locally and not at a con cons are a different thing con people yeah. are like con people are awesome oh yeah uh, oh yeah yeah um but i'm selling like on the street to like locals who are walking by or like tourists and stuff like that and uh -huh. so the stress actually comes from having to develop a I usually develop like a specific line of ceramics mm. for markets which is very stressful because honestly like and I get this like people who are passing by who don't know you like aren't going to suddenly drop like $85 on a mug like yeah yeah, yeah. like I wouldn't do that like and you you, <laughs> you would need time to think about that right so yeah. I trying I'm trying right now to make something that's like a lot cheaper and easier for like me to produce and also mm. for people to enjoy which has also been a challenge yes you were talking about ornaments how how you were that's like something that is that like a line that you're developing for that particular event yeah actually so I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for the clay but I have this amazing like brown clay that when you fire it with transparent looks like gingerbread <gasps> so oh, yeah. oh that's, perfect. that's the only reason why I'm doing it it looks like gingerbread <laughs> so I'm that's trying to make like, ladies. yeah. So I'm trying to make like gingerbread ornaments, that's and I'm, I'm really excited hell. about them. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Okay. So there's another thing I've been curious about. I didn't put on the list of questions, but I'm meaning to ask about it. Mm -hmm. How long have you had your Patreon as well? Because like, that's one of the things that, again, I love your, your monthly goodies that I ever like literally my mom will also like, she knows because I have all my mail sent to my mom's house because I live in an apartment and like the mail situation is kind of not great. So I send everything to my mom's house and she's like, Oh, Lindsay, you got your, you got your letter this month. And I'm like, (laughs) so so I'm super curious about how you, how you've structured and how you've like spent time on Patreon. Cause in my mind, mm-hmm. that's also kind of like another branch of social media because, you know, but it also is great because again, it can like count towards your income. So it's so how, how do you, how do you, how have you navigated running your Patreon? So I think I've had Patreon, I think I'm pretty sure it's three years. Sorry. I'm just like totally blanking out. Cause my boyfriend just started like microwaving food. <laughs> oh, what's he making? So I could like, I don't, I don't know. Tell him we we say hi. He's actually seen a lot of your videos, Dante. So uh, before we get on on the Patreon thing, I actually learned a lot of what I know in terms of pottery from Dante's channel. Oh, like I, yeah, I binge watched that like back to back when like when I was first starting out because I didn't have like proper teachers. Yeah. So I I watched that like here's how to throw a mug centering for beginners like I watched I watched the shit out of that so it's a big problem to be honest with you like the amount of people who don't have access to teachers not only because of their economic status or or situation but also because they don't live in an area like I live in the city so I have three pottery shops and three pottery studios around me and my house right now like if you don't have that then you don't have a teacher and the internet's kind of a way to connect everybody in that facet also, there's so much misinformation and disinformation on the internet for stuff yeah. that it's wild. So I was like, I'm just gonna just gonna create this channel and hopefully people figure it out. And I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad well, that I appreciate it. it. Uh, I'm the gateway drug teacher for sure. It's true. Sorry, uh, on Patreon. So were you asking specifically like how I manage it or what do you mean? Like Yeah, uh, like um, so specifically I get okay. So the thing I'm most curious about is so and again, like the idea of doing like a monthly thing in the letter. I totally learned that from you because that was something that I enjoyed so much about your Patreon because I think like one of the things that can be tricky and Dante and I have talked about this a little bit. I'm sure you've heard on some of the other episodes of like what can be tricky about Patreon is that a lot of the times folks want to contribute, but they don't always like, and I, I do this myself, we don't always like check in and like look at the content at the, at the like patreon only content that Mm -hmm. people are creating so the in-person newsletter is kind of a nice way to be like hey like you don't have to do anything to get this specialized content like i'm literally Mm -hmm. sending it to you but so what can be difficult is like how much exclusive content do you create knowing that sometimes something like you know for dante the videos that you used to make for your patreon only people you know you'd get like four views and so so it's like it wasn't really worth the time. So like, I guess that's what I'm curious about is how, how do you balance creating Patreon only content with making it worth your while, I guess, for that time? I I guess that's what I'm the most curious about. So the Patreon stuff was actually a way for me to do more illustration and encourage me to do more illustration. Uh, So it was like, oh, like this is dedicated time to being able to do some illustration work while also hustling on it and finding some income from the work I'm making, which feels bad when I say it now. Uh, no, honestly, but, I'm kind of in that same boat. Like that yeah. was the thing was like, yeah, anyway. 
but I mean, it had like, it was like double benefit. It was like, oh, like I get to do some illustration work and also get to share it with people who like it as well. Mm -hmm. And my patron has changed quite a lot over the years. And one of the biggest things actually, though, uh, which I think is important to say is that the way that YouTubers use Patreon and the way that artists who are like illustrators use Patreon are very different. Yeah. I, think that I see a lot of people who support YouTubers just because. And they don't yeah. really expect anything back, right? They just ah. like, they just support them. I think that when you go into like the illustration side and a lot of like uh, artists, um, I don't know if you know her, like Apple Cheeks, she's like one of the really big ones. Mm. But a lot of these artists do so many things on their Patreon. I'm like, I don't even know how you guys manage it. It's, they'll do things like, yeah, like an exclusive video. They will do like a podcast. They will do like a sticker sheet, like full illustration thing. Like here's an entire set of stuff. Like here's, I don't I mean, I feel like I do the minimum. I try. Oh my God. I, I try to do things. I recently did start including like a monthly update podcast, which is just like, which feels a little bit weird now to say it because just me talking <laughs> no but, that's kind of that's kind of nice though I don't know I mean it's like a, it's like a little catch-up thing and that's where I talk about like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff um then other things I also share like in terms of exclusive content is usually the things I'm working on like six months in advance so those are things yeah. that don't show up anywhere else yeah. and those are like very long-term projects that I show on there mm -hmm. um and then like the last thing I do is like a digital download now which is like a new thing I've started to do oh, the digital nice. download is like kind of fun because I can like design some like paper crafts and stuff but I try to like not put too much work into it I say that but it still takes me a fair amount of work <laughs> each, month, uh, each month so yeah 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 I was gonna say like because like having a podcast and everything like that in and of itself because that's something that Dante and I do for ours is like mm -hmm. we've and it's kind of more recent but you know, we do the night peddlers and that's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you think that it, it's like, oh, it's just like a quick thing. We'd be talking anyway. But then when you actually think about like, oh, but you still got to like upload it and like transfer the files. And it's like all these mm -hmm. like little things that end up adding more time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's always like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. so it's, it's gonna fun to like create. And then when I have to put it out, I'm like, oh, put it out. <laughs> yeah. Not feel that. It's to make <laughs> like babies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love my daughter. I promise. I love the crap out of my daughter. Oh, uh, we know you do. It's so an untrue cute. statement from multiple ends, but yeah, <laughs> you're kind of right though. Like I love developing glazes, but then when I finally flush out a glaze and I figure out like it's, it's theoretical expansion rate. And then I figure out whether it goes on brown clay or white clay best. And then I figure out what gravity it goes on or how many milliliters of water I got to add to it or whatever, whatever. Then I'm like, Crap, now I gotta write it all down, but I just want pretty red. Yeah. Red. I don't, don't want to write it down. And mm. then I have to share it with like I have a little group of glaze people, and then I share it with them, and then they improve on it. And then, you know, I gotta decide whether I'm gonna make it public or not. I don't wanna do all that. Mm. I just wanna make the content, man. But I don't I don't wanna like edit it and then release it to the five people yeah. who care about it. Yeah, that was like a hard thing though, because like when you make exclusive content, I always wonder like how many people are really looking at this? Because yeah, I, I don't know. Like the stats don't the stats are not good on on Patreon. It, you can't really it see it on Patreon, and like it's no one. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the videos, it shows you. For the podcast, like it doesn't. Like I think you have to sign up for something through like Acast, which is like associated with Patreon. Oh. I I can't remember exactly because I, I emailed the Patreon folks and I was like, hey, so like 
I need to know if people are actually listening to the this exclusive podcast that I'm doing. And uh, they were like, yeah, we don't really have that, but you can kind of do this thing over here. So I can't remember exactly what it was, but, yeah. but yeah, but like figuring out if, as Dante always says, if the juice is worth the squeeze, I feel like sure. is a perpetual thing with Patreon, but that's, that's really interesting. That distinction that you make between like the YouTube side of, or like how YouTubers use Patreon and then how artists use Patreon. And especially since you kind of do both, I don't know, like, because with YouTube as well, like I remember you took a bit of a break and then you started doing it again. But like, are you are you feeling like it's still something that you want to do, but maybe just every now and then? I had huge goals to do YouTube again. It's not happening. I just don't have time. Yeah. I actually have like all the footage from, I don't know if you saw, I made a whale planter that my cat broke. Did yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, I didn't God. even release the video yet until my cat destroyed it. Um, oh God. But I just don't, I just don't have time right now. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like people who do YouTube, and again, like Dante, I don't know how you do it, but people who do YouTube, I would put them in the content creator category. Yeah. Like Definitely. they are focused on content creation. And what I generally do, and <laughs> this is kind of how I've been doing it, is that I will like a kiln load is worth at least 10 to 15 pieces of content. And if I'm not getting three videos out of a kiln load, then that's a failure, <laughs> not a failure of a kiln load, but it's like one level of my kiln is dedicated to like glaze reviews. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I also have to make what I call glaze proofs, which is me taking a before and after of the glaze, which I've started doing. They're kind of like miniature glaze reviews. And then I also have to have to make sure I make videos of me crafting stuff because I am a teaching channel. Technically, mm-hmm. I can't just be like, look at pretty glaze channel. It's like <laughs> all those three things go into that kiln. And so every block of content is essentially a kiln load. And then I hopefully that takes me a month of work and then the next month i'm essentially planning a month ahead realistically so i have like four videos i could release but then like i have a baby and then i have like yeah. to teach classes and then i want to develop glazes and of course i'm gearing up for winter right now and then like i gotta go to the thanksgiving thing and the you know i have to do all that so sometimes i think like this thursday or saturday was halloween what's today yesterday wednesday. was halloween right so, <laughs> right so I did not release a video this Saturday like I usually do because it was so close to the holiday that my statistics told me like people don't be watching stuff on the holidays anyway. They're usually out with their families. Mm-hmm. So it's a waste of content for you to put it out unless it's a reel because then people at their mm-hmm. family blah, blah, blahs usually scroll on their phones anyway. Like it tells me like just don't do a video this week is not worth it. Oh, and okay. it's it's usually right. But that's essentially how I do it. I have to stay a month ahead of the content creation if mm-hmm. I want to be able to do stuff uh, that I like to do, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Like, I have a video on hump throwing for like intermediate potters. That's not out yet, but that's only because I couldn't release it this week because, you know, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking notes about how to like create more content for, for YouTube because honestly, if I could, I think I would just, I would just make one of a kind pieces. Like that's all I would make. Mm. Just one of a kind pieces and document the whole thing and just do that, oh, but yeah. I would make no money. I would be so poor. <laughs> no, I think, I what think would you do great because you you have fantastic lighting and like this is kind of a bug with me and uh, don't tell the other content creators. But like I put, I feel like I put so much work and information into my videos, and then somebody just has like a white studio with ASMR. They don't talk to give you any information at all. It's just them wedging and going like on the camera, and they have billions of views. I know. And then I look at their work, and I'm like. What do you make? You don't haven't made anything. You just that's, that's why it's content creation versus like content creation is its own thing. Anyway, yeah, sorry, sorry, Brittany. No, it's true though. I'm like, why don't I, I just do that? I should just do that. 
You should. You just need good. Uh, you need a white background studio for all the people who dress in beige. You know the the beige target people. And then like, and then you basically need to like get a really good camera and make sure it has a great sound. You don't have to make anything, but in the thumbnail, you make sure you put something, and you don't have to show it during the video. And you're good. You're fine. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change it up next year because it would be nice to start making like some more one of a kind pieces and just like sculptural yeah. stuff. And yeah, what like- what would you make if you had like, let's say you got like a grant hundred thousand dollars bruce wayne grants let's say you have bruce, bruce wayne, wayne yes bruce wayne levels of grants what <laughs> yeah. would you make like what kind of sculptural stuff would you make oh i don't know i think i would just wait do i have a big kiln i would buy a really big kiln first okay. of all so i could Solid. actually make some big stuff like uh-huh. a walk-in kiln like a human size yeah kiln. like one of them huge ones so i could just like oh, okay. put really big things in it because like i don't know if you know i, I really like plants i've been really mm-hmm. into plants recently and it's very hard to find fun planters mm. and I, I think i would just want to make some really big fun planters that are just like one of a kind one-off pieces that are something I will never make again I think that would be really fun I'm just imagining like I could see like this huge thing with like all your characters with like different little plants and stuff (laughs) I am I am a I am a newbie plant mom so uh yeah I I wish I could Yeah. I wish I could give you some plants. I have like way too many now. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm ever if I'm ever in Sweden, I'll hit you up. So right. <laughs> if Ensika ever goes to Sweden, we'll we'll meet up with you. The oh year that Ensika was in California, I wish I had known sooner. Cause I, I think like I could have gone around that time. I, I missed out. So hopefully they'll go back again and I'll know ahead of time. But that would be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. From my experience, they usually have it on the East Coast. And that one time everyone freaked out because it was on the West Coast that one time. And they oh. were like Oh, oh, it's in California this time. Because um, evidently, PlayCon West is usually meant for us. And then it's okay. the and itself is usually held over there, like by New York and all yeah. that. Well, I don't know. I mean, a few years ago, it was, I think they kind of switch it because, like, it was in Portland maybe five or six years ago. And then I think they kind of go back and forth a little bit. At least that's kind of what I've observed. Sure. But yeah, but, but PlayCon West is another, like, big one out here. But yeah. I, Bertie, I would have died if I got to meet you in person. I would be like even more fangirly than I am right now. So I would have to apologize in advance. <laughs> I mean, it would, it's possible it could happen that we could meet because, I mean, my fam is still in California. I still try to go back there like once a year. So oh my God. It, could, it could be a thing. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> Dante's over here, just like get it together, guys. Get it together. Oh, uh, no, I would, I don't know. I, I think I already said it. Like, I was so nervous. To talk to you too though because don't it's like nervous. well okay Dante you don't I, understand I, I watched your video I watched your videos so much like it, it was it's kind of like unreal right now that I'm even talking to you too I exist <laughs> in the third dimension I promise it's weird <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh uh, I honestly was like feeling that way because like I feel again like I feel like I've learned so much from you again about just honestly it's just like so much like content creation stuff and it has genuinely been it has been so much fun watching watching you how I mean first of all how quickly your skills develop like from when you like first started kind of exploring clay and then like looking at the stuff you're making out I'm just like look at Bertie go <laughs> like it's it's just it's so awesome to see but you're you're really good on social media like I struggle to post once or twice a week and I remember seeing you on TikTok and Instagram reels every day. Oh, for sorry. Like a <laughs> no, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> no, I didn't hate it or anything. I liked it, but I was like, damn, this is all I see right now. It was like, it's it was you and 
I forgot it was another person, but she glizzes her stuff halfway and then she does, uh, she puts like skulls. I mean, I I wish I could get back into that. Like honestly, just making content and stuff, but it's kind of like what you were saying though, is that for me, like content doesn't make me very much money. Like mm-hmm. I have like one YouTube video that was bringing me in like a hundred dollars a month, which is yeah. like living out its life now. It's getting to its its end. Um, yeah. But like in Europe, we never got paid for reels. I never got really? sent for a oh, real no man we have a lot I mean, of rules like honestly though like I mean Instagram stopped doing that anyway which is kind of because it seemed very much like oh they recognize the threat that TikTok was and they're mm-hmm. like we have to get our content creators to do the same thing or our platform's gonna die and so they paid us for a little while to do it and then they're like cool we're good now we're gonna stop paying you which is like ah! so I think in some ways you it was a poisoned apple of a payment i would say so i I mean money is money i would have that would have been nice but that's true i feel like if yeah if you're gonna do any video platform though like youtube youtube is the one to do like honestly when it comes to social media the one i wish i could do is youtube i think youtube is like the best one they pay you the most money it's like searchable which is instagram's worst fault you can't find anything on instagram yeah yeah it's just hard that's about like youtube just requires you to basically learn how to edit even on an amateur level and then like realistically speaking the largest amount of money that you get on youtube is basically uh uh, making content for like kids but like my sector is like usually you are an older person with enough money to get into ceramics if you are doing ceramics in the first place or it's like school people in school are looking up how to send here and whatnot mm. but like the kid youtube era like like toy reviews go crazy uh, really? they have to start putting regulations on it because they ask you every time you upload a video is this for children and if it's not and you say it is because they realize that monetizing to children is way easier and better mm. they just anything you know you get way more views but they will ding you they will find you a large amount if you're advertising to kids and it's not for kids. No, I was going to say, it's actually illegal to advertise to kids in Sweden. There are no At all? Ads. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, I don't oh think you can God. advertise for kids' toys and stuff. Oh I hate God. that we have all of our cigarette ads in every flipping 7-Eleven or whatever, like, at child height. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Oh. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what should our our listeners look for for you like what like in the next like few months what are you working on that are we could point our listeners to right now i'm doing my holiday push so i got um like my socks in and stuff like that which oh yeah uh, yeah i'm very excited about that and uh doing the like the last of the pottery thing so also trying out some new things for the market which has been a really big headache because i had to change clay and oh, no yeah I, I've been crying. It's like, it's been very stressful <laughs> trying to change the clay in the holiday season. Um, Why did you have to change your clay? They were out of my clay. They were sold out. Can you tell me the company? Can you say that? Is that a thing you could do? I mean, it, we have different what? companies here though. We we okay. have like totally different clays. Like I hear you guys talk about B-Mix all the time, like the oh, butt yeah. clay. I'm like, I want oh, to yeah. have the butt clay. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have that. But it's it's like a, a local clan. I don't, don't want to throw them under the bus, okay. but yeah, basically they were sold out in like the whole country. I like I, wow. I look everywhere, and it's also partly my fault for not ordering it sooner. But yeah, that was a that was a big boo boo. <laughs> 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 so I had to get different clay. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it oh. was stressful. It's okay though. I got a I got it today, so we're good. Oh, 
work good, it out. Good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those kind of last minute nightmare scenarios. Like last year when my kiln died, I was like, oh no. Oh, no. So, I do have I, elements though. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Yeah. That's good. That's I wish good. there was a newsletter for companies and like their clays and glazes. Like when a company, because you know, like the Laguna company sometimes has to change pits and whatnot mm-hmm. for their clays. And then everyone notices like, hey, this is a little bit of off color than we usually use. But the company's not coming out and being like, hey, guys, we ran out of X, Y, Z. So we're using this substitute. So it might look a little different. You oh. really have to like be in there to know what's going on in the company. Yeah, I wish. And that's, I wish the companies would just come out and be like, hey, just let you know it's off white instead of white this time. Because, and people yeah. like me, Lindsay, and you who are really into the clay itself are like, this has been working for years. Why is it not working anymore? Mm-hmm. It's probably because the chemical change feels different. And then, you know, there's no newsletter for them. They need a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> they need a Patreon. I, I wish I knew that, like, all those nuances when I first started. Because I remember when I was getting into clay and people were like, uh, there were, like, these two brothers at my collective who were super experienced. And I remember them yeah. being like, yeah, if you buy like pre-made glaze, it could be really good one time and really, really shit the next time because yeah. it could just be kind of different. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, what am I getting myself into here? They oh knew what gosh. was up. They knew. They knew. Yeah. That was definitely like mind blowing. But yeah, like I love working with different kinds of clay, but having a studio now means mm. like handling just one kind of clay is already enough. Yeah. And then like throwing in other colors, like red and white clay. I don't, I don't know how you do it. Cause right now we have like the red clay for the gingerbreads and uh-huh. it's staining everything. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. The oh iron is over there, man. Yeah. Oh, oh. I know. Yeah. I, it's such a, it's such a hassle, like keeping everything separate and not having it like mix. Yeah. Oh red iron oxide by itself is insane. What's that? Red iron oxide by itself, which is usually like makes iron, which makes clay brown and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And like, your red glazes is wild i remember one time i was mixing up a red glaze and my garage was open because i want access to the hose and my neighbor was like hey dante and i pull out my two hands that are dripping with red iron oxide and he's like are you okay he doesn't know and it just looks like my hands are covered in blood realistically Mm -hmm. and i'm like no it's just iron he goes why are you messing with iron in your garage and i was like just don't worry about it mike He's got it under control, Mike. It's all good. It. It's all good. But it stains everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's that's what we're experiencing at the moment because that's the only red clay in the studio I have right now. I haven't even thrown with it on the wheel yet, even though I love this. I love throwing with this clay. It's it's amazing. Wow. But I haven't put it on my wheel because I'm like I don't I don't want to have to clean it. <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't want to clean it. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. I clean oh. it every time because I don't want to clean it like a mass cleanup later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. But. I just got over, I have like 20 pounds of redstone left and I'm, I'm waiting for the day. I don't have to use it anymore because I don't want to. I'm done with it. I have to give it to me. I'll buy it off of you. I I love redstone at this moment. I'll give you some for (laughs) sure. Also, and this is, this is just me nerdy now. I'm so sorry. Like the difference in between the glazes in, uh, and the glaze chemistry in between different clay bodies, like here's a white glaze, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. This is just like a group, but like, here's a red clay body. It's the same exact glaze. It's crazy. Right? crazy. So crazy. When people don't don't think about that ever. And for the audio listeners, I'm showing the same PCF glaze on like two different things. But people don't realize like, oh, why didn't my glaze change? And I'm using a different clay body. I'm like, it's the iron, bro. The iron. Yeah. <laughs> so much iron in that clay body. It's changing the chemistry of the of the glaze itself, really. Not really, but kind of. 
it's weird because yeah. when I first started getting into ceramics, I didn't know anything about glaze. No one told me anything. Oh, like, man. I wish I had been able to take the class that you're teaching right now, Dante, because then I would be at least, you know, a little yeah. bit aware. Right. But I remember when I was first starting out, one of those brothers I mentioned, mm -hmm. I was talking about like, oh, like I want to learn how to like mix my own glazes so I can like start doing that. And he's like, yeah, okay. So he like taught me how to mix glazes and that was really, oh, really nice, nice of him. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you should get, uh, I think it was John Britt's mid-fire glazes, yeah. like the six, yes. six one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, you should get that and read it. And I'm like, okay. So I got it. I started reading this book. I had no idea what it was saying. It had, yeah. like, God. I didn't, I don't know if you guys realize this, but ceramics has so much niche like vocabulary in it a single sentence made zero sense to me I'm like what am I what am I even doing <laughs> yeah it seems like there need there needs to be a very very intro level of like glaze chemistry stuff or just like glaze like development because when you hear terms like specific gravity or like hydrometer or even like cone it's like mm -hmm unless somebody has taught you that and taught you like that anyway no it's, it's all things tricky give yeah. me a couple of years i'll handle it give me okay give me a... all right thanks bro yeah we're just gonna make on a your book shoulders. for class and i'll sell it online give me a second okay all right <laughs> it is interesting though that you mentioned cones because cones are not a thing in europe really yeah what yeah. do you do you just use the temperatures or like they just use the temperature and it blows my mind they're like this fires between 12 oh sorry i already know celsius oh that's uh, fine but it's like no, it's, it's like it's 1240 more to like 1300 and i'm like that is that's a, that's a big range yeah and also like how long do i hold it for do it do i just let it drop like yeah yeah no one and i remember going to Enseca and i got now i didn't pose the question correctly but i have found that the high majority of glazes especially bottle glazes have such a wide firing range that the cones almost don't matter like if you go to cone four glaze you can fire it to cone seven a lot of cone zero fours go to like cone five Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And the firing ranges are so wild because realistically, heat is just a form of energy and it just needs enough energy to complete a chemical reaction. But once it completes the chemical reaction, after that, it's all visual effects. It's all like how you want it to look. So if you want blue mm -hmm. versus red, that's how you're working the energy or the heat work rather, the energy work. But like, I can put Amico glazes inside of a cone seven kiln and it'll usually be fine because they're so damn stable. Mm -hmm. Almost like cones don't exist. <laughs> to a certain degree. <laughs> Certainly not in Sweden. Yeah, no, in I mean, Sweden, yeah. Well, they just have the firing range, but they have the Celsius temperatures. But like the difference between 12 and 1400, so 1200 and 1400 Celsius is wild to us Americans. Mm -hmm. But that's like, yeah. that's a great, like if you put that on a bottle, that's like cone one to cone whatever, right? It's insane. Yeah. You just I mean, need enough heat. That's all you need. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, my usual glaze though is. It's very interesting though, because my kiln has almost like one or two cone difference almost between the top and the bottom. It can be yeah. so hot on the bottom. Oh, of my, wow. It's huge. And the, uh, I have like a blue green glaze uh -huh. and it, it can range everything from like nice green to like deep blue. And yeah. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> it's oh, going to be somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the older the kiln the more difference it has too. So like my kiln's a little hotter on the bottom, but it's relatively still new. I know when it gets mm -hmm. older, I'm gonna have to put all the stuff that needs more heat at the bottom. I know that. Oh yeah, I'm like, I'm right there right now. Cause mine is also really hot on the bottom. Oh yeah. And I think I'm gonna have to start like moving things around so that all the hot things that need to be hot are down there. Cause right. it is a big difference. Yeah. Now yeah. we're just nerding out about, it's, it, it's so nice. Cause it's like, 
honestly, your podcast is so great because I think you mentioned this like a sense of community and stuff like that, but it really is. Ever since moving out of my collective, I don't really have these conversations anymore, especially yeah. like when the more experienced potters moved away and stuff. It was like, oh, who they always move away, dude. Yeah. Oh, oh, they always they're it's always funny. like, I have to go take care of some shit. Sorry. And they leave for a year and then they come back with more knowledge and then they share it with you and you're like, that's going to take me three more years to figure out. <laughs> but it, with the like, ceramics, though, it's like you don't know what you don't know. So I don't yeah. even know yeah. what to ask sometimes. Like, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's so true. I didn't realize how much I missed the community aspect because I, I used to volunteer at uh, Sacramento City College a couple times a week, you know, before the pandemic. And then and it's like now I'm trying to decide how much to go back because it's like in terms of the, again, efficiency of my time, it's kind of tricky. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that community aspect is nice. Like, I feel very lucky that like Dante and I get to nerd out about pottery literally every week for the podcast. So it it works. And it's like, I think like I remember, uh, what is it? Paul Blaze. Uh, his his podcast, you know, the Potter's Cast. Their yeah. kind of catchphrase, from what I remember, is you know, is picking up picking up where the art degree left off. And I love that because, like, not only again for for so much of like arts education, there's like so many of those like nitty gritty like business side things that like I love talking about. I mean, like we've talked so much just about social media and content creation mm -hmm. in this episode. But then there's the all the, the like, oh yeah, like as the kiln ages, like it's gonna get hotter on the bottom. So how do you navigate the temperature differences? And so, yeah, I just, I guess I just really appreciate being able to have these conversations. So, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoy listening. <laughs> no, it really like introduces me to like new ideas and stuff like that, or just things I hadn't thought about or hadn't heard of even, because mm. otherwise I'm not going to be exposed to those things. Like the only way I'm going to get that is if I happen to see it on social media yeah, by chance. But other than that, it's like, how am I going to know that? There's also like the God of the gaps for in information and disinformation online. Like the amount of people that I see on Facebook is like 80% of them will just throw out a random like, oh yeah, I heard this one old potter from Apple Hill say that uh, if you put it in your dishwasher, it'll leach the, no, it won't. What's in your dishwasher? <laughs> Acid? Like what's going on with your dishwasher? <laughs> but like, so that then incurs the other like 20% to really figure out what's going on. And they take classes and they kind of read books and you know, they put that information out there. But the amount of people just like misinformation does spread online where you see like a title and then you just believe the title without sourcing it or fact checking it is also exists in the ceramic art world. Oh, right. Yeah. So I've, you I've, really, you really have to get your sources right. Yeah. 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 I do a lot of reading now just about ceramics. Like I was just reading all about clay bodies because oh, of yeah. the problems I was running into with my clay. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of mornings reading about how to like change my kiln schedule and stuff. So I'm actually firing a glaze test right now. Fingers crossed it works, oh. but we'll see. Yeah. Oh, kiln God's blessing upon you. <laughs> yeah. I had to like email the manufacturer and be like, hey, what's going on? And actually he gave me pretty good tips. He was like, oh, when you get to like 600 centigrade, you should like mm. hold it there to let the outgassing happen more. Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, I work with a lot of like speckled bodies and they have a lot of like stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, Were you getting like bloating issues or? Yeah. The, oh. So my new clay was getting like, it looked disgusting on the bottom. It was like, oh, also, no. what's wrong with it? Uh, so oh. I need to fix that problem because I bought a lot of that clay. I had that problem a few years back and they, they pretty much told me the same thing. There's a lot of impurities in the clay body that make it the color mm. it is that we like. And because of that, we have to hold it. I forget whether it's in the bisque or in the glaze, but it needs to be held at a certain degree to let all those impurities out. And he was like, yeah, make sure you like take the top plug in your kiln out to let the impurities out. Let the, you know, like make sure you heat it up at this degree and this degree. And it, it's different for like 
every impurity. We, we have a glaze here, we have a clay here called Black Mountain, but the reason it's black is because it has a stupid large amount of iron and impurities in it, oh. or like manganese dioxide or whatever, and those count as impurities. So like, we have to treat that clay super special to get it to stay dark, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then not bloat. I know mm-hmm. Natasha from Tasha Throws Raw was, last time we got together, she was telling me, or they were telling me all about that because that's like the clay body, or I can't remember if it's mm-hmm. that specific clay body, but anyway, they were running into issues of bloating. So it's like, I was like, oh, thank you for sharing that information because oh, like, again, like I I love, I really, I want to start working more with like different clay bodies. I know it's such a hassle with like cleaning and everything, but I just love, I don't know, like, okay, okay. It. That actually, that reminds me, in this, in this, even though you are in a country where there are so much, there's so much more safety nets and the hustle culture is different. Like, how do you balance your, your like business side? Like, I got to make a certain like level of income with like keeping your creative like juices um, alive. Like, how do you, how, where do you go to like stoke those fires? It's hard, honestly. So the main line of work that I have right now with the blue and the, like the, inverse the print like the decal on it that was actually a result of me trying to make easier work because all of the sculptural pieces I was making took me so long they took me so long and they were all different so also listing them was also like way much like way more time to do yeah so I needed something that was more like staple that I could produce more easily and also just give me a bit more like stability instead Mm -hmm. of having to like make new things constantly yeah but it's definitely yeah. a challenge right now I'm trying to develop like lines of work I think some people are really good at it but like making like lines of work would be really cool so actually for Chinese New Year uh, next oh. year's gonna be the year of the dragon so I'm really hoping to make like dragon inspired pieces for the year yeah uh, I'm really excited about that but I haven't had time to do the R&D for it so. <laughs> hopefully we'll get there but it, it's it's really hard I think um I think that it's really important to have pieces that you just make for yourself. So I actually have a line of like dragon planters that I haven't sold. Um, And I almost don't even share them on social media because every time you share something on social media, people expect to be able to buy it and it stresses me out. Yeah. They'll ask like, oh, when is this going to be on for sale? And I'm like, I'm like, "Uh, never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a challenge. But I do feel like, and this is where the imposter syndrome really comes in, though, um, because even though my social media shows a lot of my ceramics and mm-hmm. I showcase the process of making my ceramics, I, I would say that, honestly, more than 50% of my income does not come from ceramics. It comes oh, from the other things. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, like, what is, the, what is the other, like, the other things? Like, are those the what what makes up that because I that that I love knowing that like that's super interesting to me so like what is that other half yeah, that, so that income I, that makes up for yeah I feel like the outsider actually within the ceramics community because most oh. ceramists I know don't have like quote-unquote merch or other kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah yeah and honestly like a lot of the income that I make is not from ceramics because ceramics takes me so much time to make. It's very yeah. slow. Yeah. Uh, but the other things I make are everything from like stickers to like notebooks. I make pins, earrings, but like socks are also like really like one of the most popular things I've ever made, which is very surprising. Oh. But I think I did the numbers for 2022 because I did, I, I think like Joe and like not work related do this. They do like a year in review and I was going to do it but I never finished it 
Uh Um, But I think when I checked last year, 70% of my revenue did not come from ceramics. That honestly, like that, in my mind though, like that makes makes you ahead of the game. Because I think one of the biggest issues that like, I'm in, I'm in this um, critique group with another like group of small artists. And one of them is specifically an art, like she's an art coach. And Mm -hmm. she's always talking about finding ways to leverage what you already have. And I think that model makes a lot of sense because when you think about how many pieces you would have to, how many ceramic pieces you would have to make yeah. to hit that same financial benchmark, it's like it, so you'd have to hire assistants or drive yourself into the ground because otherwise, I mean, it's just not sustainable. So That's like, I am trying to work up to the point where you are because I, there's only so much I can do and I don't want to go the whole road. Not that, not that I'm throwing shade on Hammerly for this, but like, cause, cause I respect his business model. That's just not the business model that I want to go towards. Mm-hmm. So I can hear like why the imposter syndrome would be there, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that I'm like, where you are is where I am trying to be. That's wild to me to hear that. Cause like, feel like I don't belong. <laughs> oh man. Come into the club. Come into the club. Oh. I if, in the, in whatever capacity I have to invite you into the club, I am sending that invitation right now. So yeah. <laughs> like the thing with handmade stuff though, is that you truly are limited by your time. Like I can yeah. only throw a mug this fast. I can only make the kiln go this fast. There is an actual physical limit to how much you can make unless you are selling pieces for like, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars each, which you can do. That is, that is a way you could do it, but I'm not there. I don't know if I will ever be that kind of gallery type artist. Mm -hmm. I just physically can't work that much. Right. So there had to be other things had to give. And I think it also helped that I made these other things first. And then the ceramics were a thing that came after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But my social media is a lie because I rarely ever show the other things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's okay. Oh, this makes me so happy because it's like all this kind of stuff is like why I really wanted to like have you on as a guest because I think your the way that you've developed your business is I mean, again, you know, I can't speak to how how common it is, but to me, from what I've seen, it's really unique and it's really like different than the kind of artists that I normally hear about or like the perception that at least I have of other artists is that like ceramics is their main thing and that's where most of their money comes from Mm -hmm. but that's just like oh oh, I'm so happy right now so yeah sorry (laughs) yeah no I mean I think the only other person I had who's kind of was also doing this is like I can't remember how to say her name it's like Ave Riviera you had her on the podcast yes yes oh my gosh she does stickers and she also does merch too and I remember talking to her about it too because I was like how do you do it and she's like it's a balance but she was also doing that and I was like so it can be done (laughs) yes yes yeah Yeah, it can be done and it seems like the way to do it because again like you're saying there's only so much you can make as a single human being like there's just a way to do everything and you realize it can be done like you're saying like once you see someone else do it you're like oh so it can be done for Mm -hmm. sure it's just there's a system that has to be in place and I just don't know the system yet you know yeah yeah I think the other thing also is you have to decide if that's what you want to do too. Cause like you mentioned like Kurt Hammerly, but the person I'm thinking of is, and hope he's okay with this, but like, you know, Callahan Ceramics. Do you remember? Oh, yes. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you want to leave his name out. I don't know if it's like a sensitive thing, but he had a huge business. And I remember he just suddenly one day was like, 
I don't want to do this anymore. He sold everything. I don't know if you wow. if you two followed that story at no, all. No, no. I remember like I followed him, you but didn't? again, you know, the algorithm only shows so much. So I didn't, I wasn't right. aware of that. So two people I really admired are Kurt Hamerly and Callahan Ceramics because of just the way that I was like, because at the time I was like, oh, that's like what I want to do. I want to like grow to those levels. Uh-huh. And like, I think Kurt Hamerly was recently on like Wheel Talk talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, you should listen to it because uh, okay. that one's interesting of like, like the things that he encountered that were challenging and how it went. But the other ceramic artist I'm thinking of, he had. I think he had like a whole team. He had rented out the whole warehouse. He had the whole system in line. And I remember he was just like, don't want to do it anymore. Sold everything, sold the warehouse, sold all the equipment and just like went solo. I don't know what the story is behind that, but I remember thinking like, that is a bold move and I admire that because he realized it wasn't what he wanted. And so he did something about it. I think about those two a lot because I see that as a possible path and then I'm deciding whether or not I would really want that. And I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there yeah. really are so many different options. So much yeah. of it is kind of like, again, like with social media, do you want to focus more on like the creation of the things themselves or more on the content creation? I mean, there's just, there's so many different ways to like build a business and just live your life in general that it's like everyone has their own ideal Tetris combination of their life and it's figuring out like what works for you and then just also acquiring the skills to make that happen is like a thing yeah. too. Yeah. and then just life and privilege and all those other things too but you know skills and equipment for sure yeah like once I figured out silk screening I was like oh, okay <laughs> you know well like before that I just thought that I would have to painstakingly draw or carve everything into a cup or whatever you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like People do love images on cups and cups sell the most. They so. do. Yeah, they, they do. They yeah. sure do. That's the t-shirt uh, of the of the ceramics world. <laughs> yeah. I want to make merch in her later, but like they're going to be sassy. Definitely. Excellent. You could honestly, like, I think one of the easiest ways for people to get into merch, and I know not everyone's going to be a huge fan of this, but if you look into like ship and demand, super, super oh. like, basically like no investment cost to you but you can like try out things like i don't know if people know what ship on like was it drop shipping drop shipping? yeah drop shipping yeah yeah, drop. yeah so that'd be that'd be programs like um printful yeah there's a couple different i'm completely spacing on the companies but yeah so essentially like you provide the imaging and they can put mm-hmm. it on like shirts and clocks and shower curtains and whatever you know yeah like you... that could be a thing if you wanted to do shirts like yeah. that's a super easy way to do it how did you choose what companies like do you have do you have any that you'd recommend because that's another <laughs> thing where i get a lot of choice paralysis <laughs> <laughs> for drop shipping or yeah, yeah, or or, well, or like maybe more like has how you do it because because you actually yeah because how how do you do it because you order the merchandise right like oh you don't I don't do, do dropshipping drop anymore you don't do dropshipping okay okay but I, that's how you started I, I, out what made you want to switch uh, so I tried it out last year no uh-huh. I tried it out this year the accounting for it though is crazy for me I hate doing the accounting so I stopped oh, doing it okay okay <laughs> but I think I used Printify Printify had some really good deals on there I think Printful is a very popular one but I would say just like google search okay. like print on demand the only thing with print on demand is i think you have to have your own website so it's not like Redbubble. you have to oh, okay. still like link it to like your shopify or your etsy or something like that yeah squarespace gotcha. is one like that too where they're like do you want merch and you say yes and they give you a drop ship thing like that oh yeah i forget that squarespace has that squarespace has a I bunch of that... little plugins like that 
Oh, Patreon does too, I think now, actually. Oh, yeah. They just yeah. Started. The yeah. rates, I've actually looked up the rates on those. They're kind of like, woo, they take a lot. It feels like they take oh. a lot. But I also haven't yeah. done a whole lot of comparison. I just wanted to check in on the time because I know we originally <laughs> said that it was going to be like an hour. And I know that, again, with the scheduling, your schedule is super busy. So I wanted to check in. Oh, no, I'm good right now. I cleared okay. up my evening. So I had like a little bit of time to like relax. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. All right. Okay, so good. I too. Was... Time's not real. Time is not yeah, real. Oh, what the is your schedule up. like for like when in the holiday rush? Like what does a normal day look like for you? Oh, like right now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'm a little bit sad to share it right now it's it's pretty crazy so I knew that this would happen but living it is very different than expecting it at the moment it's very busy so today I was up at seven I worked on admin stuff so admin things are things like preparing my newsletter oh my doing God. like all my website stuff and that was probably like three hours in the morning and then I went straight to the studio and then today, oh, I have an assistant that I hired for help because oh, nice. holidays are crazy. Yeah. Which has been super helpful. Otherwise, I'd be working nonstop. Oh, God. Uh, what, yeah. what tasks but, do you have them uh, doing? Because I always kind of wondered, like, with, with assistants, like, how do you navigate that? I've been trying to figure that out. So the benefit is that she has ceramics experience. So mm. I found somebody who had ceramics experience and who was flexible because clay things kind of you know mm-hmm. it's not dry enough yet <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah that's how clay be um <laughs> but the main reason I hired somebody was to help with shipping stuff during the holiday season because it just takes up so much time yeah. so today for example both me and her were shipping stuff the entire day but if I'm not doing that then it's probably like doing things just like throwing anything in the whole like line of ceramic stuff I will probably do for maybe like four hours in the studio five hours in the studio Mm -hmm. um, and then I usually reach my limit and if it's not the holiday season that's the end if it is the holiday season it's things like uh, managing more marketing stuff and Mm -hmm. social media and like just preparing merch and stuff so I still assemble a lot of things by hand like my pins and my earrings so I'm like sitting here like with my I must say tweezers but pliers (laughs) oh yeah 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 (laughs) like fixing stuff but yeah right now during the holiday season it's pretty bad it's about like 12 hours a a day on average yeah but I try to make time always for my friends whenever people like want to hang out and stuff like that I have like a thing I'm always going to say yes now because I can always work more and I Mm -hmm. I just want to spend time with my like you know people I like for sure yeah that makes sense yeah I mean, not me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely not for you, Dante. Impossible. (laughs) Well, no, not because of the workload. I just have like three or four people that I'm like, I will drop everything to go hang out with you and everything else. That's all you need, though. Like, yeah, like they're just also busy. So like, like my best friend's name is Howie. I get to have like a pancake breakfast with him like once every two months. We have to like schedule and then I will cook like eggs, potatoes, oh, pancakes, nice. whatever breakfast, whatever he wants. Mm. And I get to like experiment on the new food items I've I've learned at like work or through my own skills. And then, but I hang out with him like once every two months because he's also hella busy. Mm. So yeah. I guess I say okay. yes too. But if my friend is like, let's go party on Halloween. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I would do that either. But yeah. like, I feel like as adults though, that's just how it is. Everyone's yeah. just busy. Yeah. It's also Especially definitely kids. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it's crazy. Sorry. Some <laughs> of our yeah, no, no, no. I'm Your shirt like, says just... baby on it, even. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Full disclosure. I have to. I have to show you the shirt now. So, but baby is the name of the car from the show Supernatural. Oh. So it's that's what they that's what they call their car is baby. I got my tubes tied in the spring. No babies will be coming out of me. Oh, so. Right. <laughs> but yeah no it's true like I have I, you know I mean Dante you just you know had your daughter what a year year ago I've got like two yeah, or three other friends who have started and again they're still like little they're still like toddler age so it's not like we're doing like big kindergarten age you know crazy gatherings with a bunch of kids mm-hmm. around but it's 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 definitely you know changing it like last night going out for Halloween it's not even like we were like unsing, but it was like oh man like we're actually all able to like gather here, which we haven't done as a group in a while because just things are things are busy and you know lots of extended family and so it's it's a uh, yeah it's hard. No, it is it is hard. It's just everyone's always busy. So if someone has time to hang out, I try always now to make a point of being like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, that's nice. Do you have like set schedule? hours that you have or like like as in like these are the hours that I have available for social stuff if someone asks or is it the kind of thing where it's like even if it was during a normal work hours you'd be like okay yeah like let's go grab coffee for an hour like well most of my friends have normal jobs <laughs> oh nice <laughs> so they don't really have time to hang out midday that's good uh, okay okay I do have one friend who who does have more time so I'm trying to hang out more with them but no I don't have like set times because the one thing one thing about being your own boss and having flexible hours is that there's no start and there's no end. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> it's it's interesting being on the other side now because you're like, oh, I want to be my own boss. It's going to be so nice. I'm going to sit in a cafe and draw. Mm. And like, yeah. I never do that. Yeah. I'm going to sit in Starbucks and look beautiful <laughs> while strangers stare at me and I write my new play. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that no. your dream, Dante? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> That's exactly I, what I want to do. I see it. I see it. I want to tap on the table twice and then an angry barista comes up to me and refills my iced latte. Uh, I don't even want to speak to him. I just want a little tap tap and they're like, yes, sir. But Starbucks only. Oh, fancy. Fancy. Yeah. No, I don't like latte. <laughs> I, I want to sit in a fancy international hotel that does English tea service on the bottom floor lobby level. And I want to sit and come up with new merch designs if i could have somebody like poke me on the shoulder like if i was super batman bruce wayne rich and i could just work my life away and level my daughter and wife right Mm -hmm. and i had an assistant that came up to me and told me what time i need to take care of bodily functions that would be great like if he tapped me on the shoulder and was like sir it's time to eat you have not eaten in six hours your metabolism is slowing because of course that's his accent i'd be like oh thank you (laughs) right yes and they like you know they wake up in the morning and they're like so it's time to run a mile and do push-ups i'd be like oh okay yeah no yeah, problem man. But like everything else i want to do myself <laughs> i just want someone to remind me that i have to keep yeah. up this dystopian temple of a body <laughs> oh man exercises i used to be really into exercising like i used to like exercise a lot to uh-huh. an unhealthy level i think that's just falling off the wagon now because yeah but Yes, that's same. really important though people don't tell you how much your body hurts all the time doing ceramics mm-hmm. that is I think that is the one thing that has kept me like I'm not great with exercising at all like basically the only things that would keep me exercising is like oh I gotta get in shape for this cosplay that I'm gonna do oh and that was like the only motivator <laughs> but during COVID and you know we didn't have conventions for so long so I really fell out of the habit but I do stretch every night and I am very oh, glad for that because I think 
compared to what I hear a lot of people talk about with like back pain and stuff, I feel like overall I have, I seem to have less than other folks. I'm not yeah. sure if that's genetic or I'm not sure if that's because of the stretching or what, but I'm grateful for it. Cause yeah, like ceramics, like, and again, that comes back to like the overall sustainability of working in ceramics because yeah, it does take a toll on your body and you got to find a way to take care of it. No, it's true. And actually that's one of the big reasons why I went to switch clay. Oh, uh, really? Cause my, I don't know if it was a bad batch. I'm going to test out the new one I just got, but the clay that I was working with was very difficult to work with and needed oh. to be wedged a lot and like watered down basically because oh, uh, it was so difficult to work with. So I wanted to switch because like I was thinking like long term, I'm like, I cannot do this. My body's yeah. just going to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a thing. Our corporeal forms are uh, challenging, you know. <laughs> yeah. I did carry down 150 kilos of clay though from the delivery so oh my god and that was that wasn't so bad so getting a little bit of exercise in at least oh yeah yeah yeah. it wasn't that much it it was fine (laughs) you ever wedge so hard you're like that's my cardio yeah oh Oh, yeah yeah. i used to have to wedge like like so so much clay because of my clay problem i had to like learn how to spiral wedge which i'm still not very good at just uh it's like doing that for like an hour it's very hard yeah 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 I definitely count like wedging a lot as cardio because your heart gets going. You're, ooh, ooh, it's a full oh, body. No, it's thing. true. Like, yeah. Oh <laughs> if there's any like 20 year olds listen to this right now, they're like, what are you talking about? I'm just like fit all the time. I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> I just got to that point where I was like, I want to wedge 20 pounds of clay at a time. And I'm like, ooh, this is kind of hard now. I don't remember that being this hard. Yeah. I'm getting weak. Oh, no. Yeah. You no, know, it's, it's a thing. Like, I also have a lot of wrist issues just from working in tech for so long. Like, oh, I have yeah. a really bad carpal tunnel. Oh, um, so, uh, well, actually, one of the things I do often is I do, like, slam wedging, which no one ever talks about. Oh, yeah. Uh, but slam wedging, if you have wrist problems, is, like, the way to go. I just actually recorded an episode of, like, whether you should wedge or not. Because there's a, an amount of people out there who are like, you don't have to wedge. The company does it for you. And then mm-hmm. I address the myth of that and whether it's true or false and technically it's true you really don't have to because it does all the things that you're worried about mm-hmm. but like people don't categorize hitting your clay slamming your clay coning up and down on the wheel as wedging so when they mm-hmm. say you don't have to wedge they mean you don't have to ram's head and spiral wedge okay. but the same people who are like you don't really have to wedge they're wedging in some way shape or form you're you're coning up and down on the wheel you're slam wedging but slam wedging is like you're applying energy to the clay and the clay is helping it realign the clay platelets, right? Like, and it's smoothing out and you're warming up the clay, like you're wedging. Yeah. So like it hundred percent works, especially if you have like body issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's been really uh, nice when you have to like do a lot of clay at once. That's, yeah. That's, that's been a saver. How many, how, when you do like a, a batch these days, like how many do you make in like a set? Cause oh, you were talking I, about I, wanting to develop like bodies of work or, or lines rather. Yeah, I actually think I, I throw very slowly compared to other people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see, like, other people, like, oh, man, they fast. I'm slow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel that way whenever I watch Becca from, oh, from yeah, Real she's... Talk of Five Lines Pottery. Man, she just gets yeah. it done. She's a production think... potter. Like, that's part yeah, of her she's job. She's a production yeah. potter, though. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be a production potter. I'm like, this is all I want to do. I just want to throw pots. And then no. I'm like, my bod's going to fall apart. I can't do yeah, it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. For like lines of work though, I honestly, I haven't really done many lines of work recently. Okay. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is I did like a 
year of the tiger set of like oh, tiger yeah. mugs. Uh-huh. And I haven't made those since they were, they were like limited edition. And I think I made like 20 or 30 of those ones. Oh, nice. But I think it'd be kind of cool to do again. It's like, you're like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And then you do it. You're like, mm, no. Oh, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> and then you do it. You're like, mm. yeah, you're like, mm. not all day. Yeah. Like, I would love to do slip casting. I really want to try slip casting, which I think yeah. Lindsay, you do too, right? I have been trying to, I've been, it's, it's been on my list for like forever. I finally bought some slip. So I'm slowly, I'm slowly getting there, but yeah, I want to do slip casting for those. Like, cause I feel like, again, like you're talking about the sculptural pieces for those pieces that are able to be slip cast, like in terms of their design, there's not like a lot of undercuts. It yeah. would, I think, save a lot of time. So it's, it's definitely something that I would like to get into. Yeah, me too. But like, I'm right there with you. I bought the slip also. Yeah. I got the slip. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm working my way. Oh my God. I just got to figure out how to make the cast. And then after that, it's, a, I've done it once. And to my knowledge, it's like the hard parts of making and getting the cast. And yeah. then you can kind of buy a slip and then you have your clay problems, of course. And, but then like, you got to make sure that just tight for a day and then you reopen it and be careful with it. And you're good. Yeah. I, I think bought- we're overthinking it, Lindsay. I think, I think you're right. I think you're right, Brittany. I think this is usually how it goes. I overthink things and then Dante tells me to just do it. Just Nike yeah. that shit, you know? Because <laughs> you're going to uh, learn what you shouldn't do. Yeah. If you like, if you do it and you do it wrong, your brain goes, okay, just don't do that one part again. That's the part mm-hmm. that messed up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's so much of it is like the R&D time, like the research and development time is like, yeah, I would love to get into slip casting. I know that it's going to take a certain amount of time. It, it's it's going to take a certain amount of time away from other things that I know I need to do. So it's mm-hmm. like figuring out, again, how to Tetris my like timetable so that I can still make progress on the thing that I want to learn how to do while also keeping up with the production goals that I set for myself. No, yeah. that's that's a really big thing was like the R&D and stuff like that, which is yeah. why I had been holding off on trying new clay because it's oh, it is yeah. a process to try a new clay. Yeah. Um, but at least for me right now, I do have scheduled in R&D time for Ooh. like the end of December and the month of January. So mm. I'm going to try to do the subcasting stuff and like try to develop the new line of work, whatever that is. But I think like putting in dedicated R&D time is really important. I know it's it's like, oh, I'm not making like much money, but the, the income will come later once you figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, knowing that you're putting in, the, in that R&D time in January is going to inspire me to- Yeah, we should do, do it. We should thing. just be like, hey, you made your slip cast today. Oh my like, God. Yes. Can we do that? <laughs> that would be really helpful. A, I lo- think... a little part of me is like, oh no, you have to commit to it now, but we I should do we it. Should, me too. We really should. We really should, Bertie. Cause we should yeah, do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We could be, we could be each other's like accountability people. Although I actually, okay. So the biggest, first thing that I have to do is I have to get more plaster because I, it took me too long to go through my 50 pound bag. So mm-hmm. I lost like 15 pounds of plaster because like enough moisture had gotten into it that it wasn't setting mm-hmm. right. That- that can uh, happen. Apparently that can happen. Yes. I, mean, I heard yeah. that happening, but yeah. I just, I just bought a whole bunch of plaster. It's just been sitting. Okay. Just as long. Okay. I literally had this bag of plaster for like two and a half years. Okay. So as long as you go through it before then, I think you're going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I have to buy, I have to buy more plaster, but um, yeah, I think just like in general having, I've realized over the many years that having outside pressures I really, really need that for like meeting certain goals because 
Otherwise, it's just I get into a groove of like, oh, I know what I need to do. I go into the studio, I throw a bunch of stuff or I'm trimming a bunch of stuff or I'm filming a bit and then, you know, trimming more things. And it's so easy to get into that mindset and get into that groove. And then anything that juts you out of that is like, no, it's so comfortable, you know, <laughs> but, no, anyway, but having outside support. So talk, I know again, talking about community, you know. No, it's true, though. Like having outside deadlines is really important, I think, especially if you're somebody who needs that like yeah. things like me signing up for my studio before I was ready was the push I was like well if I sign up for it I have to figure it out and then it's yeah, things like yeah. signing up for cons and I'm like like signing up for in-person events are things that I commit to and I like I have to show up yes right? yeah. yes you can't back out you, you're mm-hmm. in it what's the what's the convention scene like in uh in Sweden <laughs> is, is there so there is there is it's it's just everything in Europe especially like and then I say like Europe and not the UK because UK is a whole different market over there. But it's there, but it's nowhere near like American cons. <laughs> so we have like Narcon, which is the one that I did this year in the summer, and that's the biggest cosplay event I think in Sweden. Oh, or cool. possibly possibly even in Europe. And yeah, we made like we made pretty good money that weekend. But if I compare that to something like. And the, the only other con I've been to is Comic-Con San Diego. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> and like... to compare it to something like that, it's like, oh, this is like small beans. <laughs> <laughs> it's more manageable beans, though, it feels like. Like San Diego yeah. Comic-Con, I've never been myself, but like I see the videos and it's just like, oh, my God. It's just nuts. Well, you should go. It's fun. I really I... want to go. I really want to go. I used to live in San Diego, so we would go every year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I my love God. I San Diego so much. Oh, you guys should go. You guys should go. Let's go. And like... Am I going to get in trouble for saying this? Maybe just leave this part out. So if you go, if you can't get tickets, this is what you do, okay? Uh-huh. You It's a lot of fun. It's it's massive. It's 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 crazy. Last thing I'll ask for our dear listeners, tell people where they can find your work, where they can where they can follow you and yeah, give us give us the details so they can go look at more of your work. Yeah, uh so you can find me mainly on Instagram at birdietam.art. And which is also the website URL, so birdietam.art. And I think I'm on YouTube as just Birdie Tam. If you just Google it, you can probably find me, hopefully. <laughs> All right. And we'll list everything in the show notes as well. So uh, yeah, so people will will send them your way. I mean, not that you need it. You've got you've got so many followers, but oh. I really I I I hope people have enjoyed listening. It has been so much fun talking to you. Oh my God. It's been really fun talking to you too. I'm sorry I kept you both. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. Oh my gosh, no, not at all. I'm just it's, I'm glad you had the time. It's just like... have to be real bad. That's about oh, it. Oh, dude, you should just go. Not like not here, but like you know, go. Yes. No, I mean, no, it's fine. I mean, I should probably like eat and pee. And yeah, no, you're you're fine. This is great talking to you. All right, well, Bertie, we will uh, we will catch you later. Thank you again so much for taking this time to chat with us. It has been it has been such a blast. Yeah, it's been yeah, super fun. It's uh. Honestly, like I really needed just like a break and it is really nice to just talk to some other people just about pottery things because yeah. it is it is so so such niche knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like other people just like don't even know what it is. They're like, no, oh, okay, well <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We need to geek out with our fellow with our fellow people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Mud Peddlers. We would love to hear from you. So if you want to share your thoughts about the episodes or just see what Dante and I are working on in our studios, 
come say hi. You can find links to my social media at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. And you can visit my pottery shop or see what I'm working on at earthnationceramics.com. And you can find me all over social media at earthnationceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. And if you want to support the show, hear some bonus episodes, and see some behind the scenes of my work, you can support me and the show at patreon.com slash lindsaymdillon. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.